I wanted to ask you, what do you think is like one simple thing people can do, especially for men, that we can do to get started taking care about our mental health? I mean, a lot of it comes down to focus and clarity, right? So the first step that I've always thought about, especially when you're having conversations like this, is to talk about it. Uh, and you mentioned podcasts. We have a new one that we're thinking about just focusing that show on mental health. And when, I mean, I found it, and you probably do the same thing. I have found that through long form conversations, a nice sit down dinner with your friend, family, or therapist, you know, it's, it's, becomes this thing that where you start practicing your own thought patterns and you'll start no noticing how much in your life changes and how much of how much focus and clarity you get from having conversation you 100%, know hundred percent yeah yeah i feel like the longer you go on that conversation you almost start listening to yourself just by having someone listen to you mm -hmm. and this happens with friends all the time i, I feel like nowadays Friends are the unpaid therapist. That's right. Yeah. And I think people don't give friends enough credit. If, you have, if you're surrounding yourself with the right people, no one takes that much consideration into their friend group. Usually it's like, who can I have the most fun with? And who can I potentially go on dates with and become, and you know, think about your, where your relationships are in that sense. And I started thinking to myself, I'm like, you know what? What if all of my friends have the same amount of love, right? As, as I do for them to me. And then you start getting deep in thought with them. And a lot of times your friendship, you know, I was often told it's not just me, it's anybody who is, is understanding of how friendships work. When you know how to get deep with someone, it strengthens a friendship or a relationships like faster than you could imagine. Mm -hmm. And like you had said, some of those conversations feel like therapy as they should. There should be nothing wrong with taking care of your mental health while you're with people, right? Getting out of your head and just dumping it uh, via conversation with folks. Um, I think it's so much fun, dude. Now, what do you do when you have that friend that is always coming to you with their problems, but they don't really want to listen to your problems? Yeah, I mean, that's the balance. You have to, you have to kind of, and going back to what I said earlier, which is like, yes, it's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to acknowledge where your headspace is at all times. And I used to tell folks, it is a daily practice. You wake up in the morning, you might feel a certain way, you may feel great, not so great, and then you tackle the day accordingly. Same with your friendships. You have to kind of analyze who, the, who you're surrounding yourself with and why. And if you like, to your point, if they're c coming to you with all their issues and constantly just, you know, and then maybe they'll squeeze in a nice, how are you, right? And, and we hate that because what you, the whole point of a friendship is to have each other's, um, to coexist with one another, you know, whether you're going through something really difficult or not, it could be the happiest day of your life and then their worst day, but you should be able to support each other. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, who do you want to be around? And if yeah. you're around people, how many people even for you, have you heard from recently that go, oh, my friend group is so toxic, you know, or oh, my boyfriend just never listens to me. It's all about him all the time. You know, and the person who says that, you have to also look at yourself and ask yourself the same questions. You know, yeah. why are you hanging out with them? Why are they, you, and once you realize that, then you just make decisions and some of them will be hard. You may have to like move away from certain people and, you know, recruit new friends, which mm -hmm. is just part of life. Yeah, so how do you navigate that? Because uh, I feel like when someone is bringing up that all the time, mm -hmm. something is actually wrong with them because if they see their friends as always toxic, I mean, you picked them and you kind of brought up that relationship through multiple months and years or whatever. Mm. So how do you think people can go about revamping their group of friends and maybe cutting some people off? Yeah, I've always been a huge proponent of friendship because I feel like you, can, you, you can't necessarily select your family. And if you're someone that's dating, it, 
like that's just like one person or a few people, right? But your friends, you can have a lot of different types of friends and a lot of versions of what that friendship looks like. It goes back to the in, the inner work, right? When you're health, when you're healthy upstairs in your brain, and you start asking yourself questions like, "Who makes me feel good? Who makes me feel loved?" When I'm playing tennis, I'm gonna go with this friend. If I want to go out for drinks, I'll go with that friend. And you get to do that with your own life because it's it's interesting enough. After thinking about mental health and how important it would be to do a show around it on podcasting, I keep going, "Okay, but like it starts with you." And there have been plenty of mornings where I'll wake up and say, "Okay, well, me first. First four hours of my day are just for me. How I want to spend it, whether I'm at the gym, getting ready for the day, doing some work that's just for Justin, and then selecting who I would be around. But talking about revamping friend groups, I mean that's a hard decision to do, right? Most of us don't want to have to tell friends like, "Hey, like we've been friends for ten years, it's just not working for me anymore." But that's also yeah, it's almost like a... you you can break up with friends. You can bre- like you can be dating someone and you have if you're not gonna see them anymore, you have to break up. Yeah. But then how do you you don't break up with friends? No, it's not a breakup. I think a lot of people. You ever heard the saying like you're the company that you are the product of the company that you keep mm-hmm. or some version of that. It's very true. If you look at your top five friends or the people you're often hanging out with, you're gonna be a summation of all that. You know, of all those people and like their patterns, how they behave, how they act in the world. And then again, it comes like, how, how do you want to look? And listen, you don't always have to like immediately cut friends off. Keep them at an arm's length. Maybe let them reach out to you, especially if it's a friend. Who, funny enough, Axel, if they're coming to you and they're saying like, "Here's all my problems. Help me, help me," right? You want to kind of keep them at a distance to where they start realizing that that's what the friendship was. You know what I mean? It's like a it's a tango. What do they say? Two takes two people to tango. You really want to make sure your friends also have your back just as much as you have theirs. And listen, it's you don't have to cut them off. You just really have to start hang like putting quality effort and time into the ones that are most important that to actually you. matter. Yeah, that's really smart. Now, in your case, Justin, you're a public figure. You have all this podcast. You're interviewing people all the time. Do you ever feel like you have a lot of acquaintances, mm. but It's hard to, you know, come up with real friendships out of those interactions. It's a great question. So, yes, because when your job, especially like, and what you do too, when you're in media or you're in a work,、uh, a line of work where a lot of relationships, like, are the job. You know, like you and I sitting down, we can be friends, we can be acquaintances. And I think what happens in, in at least in podcasting. You know, folks were like, "Oh, it's a networking tool," and I was like, "I guess." Or you can become friends with the person. I'm、mm-hmm. co-hosting now with Kevin Quinn, and he was on Men of the Hour, my other podcast. We had such a good conversation, hung out three times after, and I was like, "This is going to be my best friend." I don't know how, I don't know why, it just happened.、Mm-hmm. So it goes back to like energy and like you. People always talk about like universal friction and, and energies these days, as it relates to like how you feel when you're with someone. Do you feel filled up? Great, move forward, be their friend. But to your point about acquaintances. It, it's a two-way street. So, like, if I decide to be your friend and you tell me one, day, like, and, and I'm not, I'm not feeling the reciprocation or that you're receptive to my energy, then like that, to- totally fine. We'll be acquaintances in the podcast space. But if I reach out, I'm like, hey, we should, we should hang out. We have a good time. Then we start seeing each other off more often. Friendship gets built out of that.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, it's, it's been so interesting of a journey, though. I'll be honest. Like when you're. Hosting a show or you're interviewing, you probably do your own booking the same. It's like I did all my guest bookings, and there were some times when I was like, "Oh, I kind of do want to be friends with like Corbin Blue or Andy Grammer. That'd be kind of cool." So when you sit down with them, a friendship does get built, but it's a professional one sometimes.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, the last thing I'll say about that is like, when you 
analyze what the friendship could be, I guess, right, without getting too much in your head about it, you have to realize how, how busy folks are and where their priorities are. So these days, we've both been told this, as adults, you get busier and your priorities change and you don't necessarily care to spend all this time with all these people, which is why it sometimes does feel like, you know, everyone's an acquaintance. But the magic is when you spend quality time, even if it's once a month with that one person, it has the same impact as if you're going to spend not so quality time with someone every single day for the same month. Mm -hmm. Now, how has been your experience taking that into the dating world? Mm. This is something that is tricky and complicated. Yeah. yeah, I mean, dating's tricky for anybody in 2023. Um, right now, I'll say this, that when you're when your line of work again is somewhat within the media or it's it's publicly out there like they can click on a podcast episode at any point in time it's interesting because i remember thinking to myself if i started dating like i don't want the person to think that i'm only going after them because you know x reason that they're in the business or on the opposite end of that i don't want them to think that I have certain motives and incentives based around like what I do professionally. And you hear it from anybody who's in media, entertainment, sports, like, you know, uh, a, a public facing industry mm -hmm. that they, there's always going to be misconceptions. There's going to be a little bit of like bumps in the road sometimes because the person sees you on like Instagram, YouTube, podcasts or whatever. Yeah. It, it's not hard, but I will say that like I'm on a hunt to find somebody um, a little later, so I'm 26, and I'm, I'm giving myself to like 36 to, you know, if I do plan to date seriously and take on one person in my life, um, right now it has to be somebody that knows how to balance. Have you found that that is better when you are with someone in your line of business versus someone who is outside of media? Mm. So, yes and no. Yes, if it's somebody that really understands both of your line of work, and it just happens to work. You hear it nowadays, like a dancer's dating an actor and it works out because they get each other. Yeah, but I know? feel like those are kind of in the same bucket. Oh yeah. I think it gets very difficult when you're in media or in your case, a host and mm -hmm. journalist and someone doing all of these things. And then you're dating someone who's like an accountant or like someone like that. I Well, so me personally, I would date an accountant. I think I would. I would to, date to somebody. keep all your numbers in check. And yes, that's for real. That's, that, that's the real reason. I want you to help me balance my finances. But you know, I would want someone who is a little bit like. But that comes down to personality type, which is yeah. very healthy for your mental health. I think when you're dating and it, as it relates to your mind, if you're dating someone that you know has qualities that you're looking for, like I do not need to date an extrovert. You know, not that I need the stage and the mic every single time. But that's just what comes natural to me. So what comes natural when I'm looking for somebody has to be that they're soft-spoken, that right. they're the ones opening the doors. Like, so you don't feel attracted to other extroverts? Not at all. Really? <laughs> yeah. For me, I think I'm an extrovert, and I love to be with someone who's also an extrovert. See? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because also the best times are when you can have private time with that person. Mm -hmm. And it's so special when you can be with someone that they could have anyone's attention in the world, mm. but they decide to spend the time with you. It's a great feeling. And it's a spike of dopamine every time that person texts you and wants to hang out. And when you're actually with them physically, yeah, I think like what I failed to realize in 26 years, because even I'm struggling with it now, I think most of us are, when you're looking for somebody and, and you finally get to spend quality time with that one person and it gets more intimate and more sexual 
yes, that's like a different part. That's a part of your life that you have to fulfill. You know what I mean? Because it's not, back to friendship, it's not the same feeling you're gonna have when you're with your friends spending 10 hours with them. 10 hours with your friend as opposed to someone that you're dating is so different and you know what the difference is. And you may see another side of yourself with those two um, situations too, because mm -hmm. it's also different than family, you know? But again, back to the acknowledgement and, and being aware enough to have these conversations like what we're doing now, I think it's healthy because every day changes, every relationship changes, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, so in your experience now with all of these shows, you have been interviewing so many people. Mm -hmm. What have you found is like the common thread for all of this? And I want to focus especially on men because you have men of the hour, mm -hmm. you have so many guys there. And I checked out a few of the interviews. What have you found is the thread for all of these successful men mm -hmm. that you can keep track of? Like, okay, everyone is kind of doing this in a way that makes them separate from from the rest mm. well I'll, I'll take your word they know how to separate what they're doing professionally and their personal life so i remember when we started men of the hour it was a it was just a different show i was like yeah let me just like get in podcasting and do a show that is is meaningful it's different so the niche was that it was only influential men and i was like through their narratives and their stories i can somehow craft an interview and an episode where folks can tune in and they'll go Got it. I didn't know Gabriel Iglesias had imposter syndrome. Oh shit, Boris Kojo was like totally depressed three months for this reason and overcame it. So really the topics would change, but the common thread is that all of my guests, there's 100 and plus, 100 plus, every single one of those guys were willing to open up and share something that they may never have shared before, or even if it's another topic that they've discussed in the past, I saw joy in them sharing something very deep. And I think that's the same feeling I get when I go out with friends and they share something vulnerable or they share something exciting. You know, and it's not an album that they put out. It's not a new book. It's just that, you know, when I asked, here's a good example, Kevin Jonas. Kevin Jonas was one of our recent guests and he was promoting a show with his brother Frankie, definitely had a children's book that also went out, which we talked about, right? Top and bottom of episode, we still want to be able to promote it. Mm -hmm. But he was even more fulfilled in just this idea that he was able to go home to Jersey with his family way more than he ever did as a Disney star. So for him, family quality time has become so important. And I think even if you're a celebrity or not, a lot of people who listened to that episode, I hope realized that you're not your work. You will never be a product of your, I mean, maybe a product of, but you'll never be your job or your, your brand. I think you have to be you. And if you find fulfillment in certain areas of your life, I started seeing that with all the guys that were on the podcast. Yeah, that's something that I think I struggle with because I'm so focused on what I want to do mm. that a great deal of my identity is wrapped into the fact that I'm a filmmaker, I want to make movies. Mm. When I'm on set, I feel the happiest ever. Mm. When I'm not, able to like do what I love I feel like I wouldn't say depressed but I don't feel the same mm. level of like fulfillment and satisfaction I hear you 100% and that's all of us I think that if you have a career again an accountant what if you're what if your uh your passion is accounting and you tie your identity directly to that job there's nothing wrong with it until you start seeing something that's wrong with it. So for example, imposter syndrome is huge these days. Yeah. So when I got into interviewing and I really wanted to do what Ryan Seacrest was doing, wasn't I, I wasn't just comparing myself to Ryan Seacrest, who's obviously way older than I am or seasoned. I was looking at myself as if I had to be that. 
And so I was doing, and listen, we all morph and shift in different ways, but the more authentic you can be to your, your own identity, bring that to the you know filmmaking or the podcasting, you'll find even more fulfillment. And I think that's how you break any negative depression, like you'd said, because you're always going to be doing it in the way that feels right. You know, the product will end up being great because of that. Do and you, you hear feel, from everyone these days. Uh, sorry to cut you off. Do you feel that you still have imposter syndrome? No. No? How did you get rid of it? I mean, I'm sure it'll come back soon. Right now in 2023, <laughs> at 26 years old, having done podcasting, I I feel as though I don't have imposter syndrome in the sense that I, I'm not trying hard. You know what I mean? I feel like when I sit down with folks or when I intentionally book a guest on an episode and we sit down and I, you know, even doing this with you, I do not feel like, you know, I have to pretend anymore, if that makes sense. Because once you start getting enough reps in and you still do it, you've been in the game enough, you're like, yeah, okay, podcasting really makes sense to me. Now, you asked me if I was on a red carpet tomorrow with the Grammys interviewing people, maybe I would have more imposter syndrome because I haven't done that in three years. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's it's interesting because I'm maybe it'll come back one day if I want to be an author. Yeah, I'll be, I'll, anybody will experience imposter syndrome and I'm, not, I'm no expert by any means, which is why I'm an interviewer, right? I used to tell folks that, you know, part of me relieving my anxiety and and and, and overwhelming thoughts about being in the media was that I just know how to navigate the people who do have the expertise and the, the platforms and then to be the one to interview them. I'm comfortable in that. And it's because I found comfort in it. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like an imposter, I guess. That's great. So yeah. let's get into the the business side of, of podcasting and all of this. You and I met at an event that you put on mm -hmm. that it was all about podcasts and you had great speakers there. And we connected briefly, and after that, we stayed in touch. You helped me get some people on my show, and I see you getting all of these big guests on mm -hmm. your show. So tell me about your process of booking mm -hmm. really high-profile people, have them on your show. How does that work? And yeah, then let's get started with that. Yeah, I mean, I remember the event that we did, going to that really quickly, uh, we had spilled a lot of secrets, and it was only an 85-person event. So I remember I was like, Got it. 85 people now know exactly how we do it. And so now to do it like this is great because if you're watching, here's all the secrets. Uh, booking is, is a strategic type of job with, within the podcasting spaces specifically because when I was, I used to work at NBC Universal in New York. And when I was there, I was always watching my friends who were in production and booking. And I was, I went from like an assistant up to the most recent position before I left. And I remember I was like, okay, is it so much about relationships or is it about the platform that you have? No, it's both. You know, I had started Men of the Hour and somehow miraculously, I guess at the time it was the pandemic and there were plenty of podcasts out there and Instagram live shows and YouTube shows and Netflix series getting launched and TV was on the air in a Zoom fashion. So I was like, okay, if I'm gonna do this podcasting thing, we should do it right. I spent at least three months developing the show, thinking about what it was going to look like, branding, all those things. Then booking came along and I was like, who is going to be, who are going to be the first four guests? Let me, let me get four really good guests on the show. It, at the very least, let me get them recorded and then start putting those out to folks. And when I say folks, I mean publicists, agents, managers, assistants even. Just so, depends on who. So you recorded and didn't release it out to the public. You That's recorded right. and showed it to these people right. before it went out? Right. Interesting. I'd never heard that piece of advice. So I baked four episodes with Jonathan Bennett, 
Boris Kojo, David Archuleta, and Gabriel Iglesias. Wow. I somehow convinced their publicists, and I, I say this all the time, even when I was doing press around the podcast, I convinced their teams to allow them to come have these conversations. They're, they were on the call, so the publicists were like, wait, that was such a great interview. Men of the hour, we love this. So the four episodes were baked. I sizzled it up. And then I would shop that around to other folks. And then I started so getting more smart, dude. That is so <laughs> then smart. Then I started getting more yeses. And I was like, oh, great. So now I figured it out. Peter Facinelli, Tom Bill, you said yes immediately. Like, I, I just knew. I was like, okay, well, if I'm doing this, let's do it right. And if I really want to impact people with stories that men may not have shared yet around their mental, like Peter Facinelli from Twilight, I love him. I remember watching him as, as a kid and I was like, Maybe there's something there. So I would just look him up on IMDb Pro, found his publicist, pitched him. But that's the thing of booking. It's you have to have a strong pitch, existing uh, credentials if you can, if you have them. So for me, I'd interviewed so many people on red carpets in New York. And so aggregating like the the, the, the footage and the, the names alone, right? Oh, I interviewed Tommy Hilfiger and Elizabeth Hurley and all these people. That helps, of course, but then it's like, what is this podcast, right? So then, yeah, just making it as professional as possible when you're starting your platform. And then when you're booking talent, I do booking now for a show. That's why I send you people. I send everybody people mm -hmm. these days, you know, like I'll, I'll find my friends with podcasts and even TV shows. Tamron Hall's a good example. I bring her a lot of people wow. that I represent and I love it. It's easy because everybody wins. And so then, yeah, that's the beauty of it. So man. Like beautiful. right now we're doing this episode. I get to ask you the things that I want to know for me. Yeah. You get to have a platform. You get to like have your thoughts out there. And that's why I think it's so interesting. I'm trying to convince everybody to have a podcast. Like all of my oh, friends, sure. I'm always pushing them for that. But it does take a lot of work. And for mm -hmm. me, something that has been very difficult is it doesn't translate directly to my filmmaking career yet. Mm but I know that I'm building something long-term, mm -hmm. but it's difficult because you have to put in so many reps, like you said, and you don't see the results right away. So how do you push through the process of, you know, you put up that interview, it took you hours to book the person, to record mm -hmm. it, and now it only gets like 100 views, sure. and you're trying to like keep at it and keep going. Well, I think these days in a competitive space like podcasting if you want downloads and if you want shares and big guests strategy is the first thing you have to think about so men of the hour my strategy was if i had big guests and i convinced them to share an instagram story we would get downloads what happened they all their followers listened uh for example like on instagram and that was one strategy of like growth for example so i didn't have to worry too much about like it, whether or not it was going to be a big hit for me it was exactly what you said it was getting the reps in and it was understanding that i still wanted to be a host i still want to be a host when i say a host i'm talking about like a conversationalist professional interviewer right mm -hmm. and if i got if that was the one thing so it's like expectation setting i guess is what i mean when you are on a project or you're doing a podcast like this and you start seeing that like okay well this is what i want out of it here's how long i feel like i'm going to do it for and keep it simple like life is so complicated in and of itself. Your career should not be that complicated. So simplify it. What do you want to get out of your podcast? Mm -hmm. I just wanted to interview people that I adored and looked up to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ke Zach King, Kevin Curry. Like I was like, oh my gosh, let's. this is great. At the very least, that's all I got out of it. Mm -hmm. Then when you start thinking about sponsorship sales, advertising, um, you know, the, the credibility that came with it. Podcasting changed my entire career. 
You know what I mean? I feel like I can chat with literally anybody about literally anything. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was like the most powerful thing I got out of it, but I would have not known if I didn't just keep doing it. And then one more thing about time well spent, you get faster and smarter about how you're spending your time. So like the templates, the uh, the way that, that the systems and processes that you have when booking and recording and editing and all those things, the people you outsource to, for example, mm -hmm. you know, I had an editor for a long time named Paul Axico and I, I'm obsessed with him. And then after a little while, I was like, oh, I can do a lot of this because we stopped doing video mm -hmm. or like publishing video. So I was like, all right, I'll just do that. You know, so I think it, you move and shake with your own projects. And as long as you are finding fulfillment and you're getting what you want to out of it, the rest should be gravy. And I'm trying to think of what guests used to say that on the podcast. Like, the rest is gravy. I want to say it was Andy Grammer. Someone said something where it was like, it, again, like, this is what happens in podcasts. You get these thought nuggets. Rob Dyrdek, he always used to say, uh, prioritize your health, wealth, and happiness all at one time every single day. Something along those lines. And he is one of the smartest people I know. Obvi, but like, when I think of my days now, I'm like, health, wealth, happiness. And it's how I do my day health in the morning, wealth during the day for like my job or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I'm ready to tap out, happiness comes. So it's like going on long walks, calling friends, going to drinks with friends, mm -hmm. dinners and comedy shows. Like that should be a daily practice. I don't know, sorry to go on a tangent, but like I'm such no, a proponent perfect. of like daily, like you have to live a 360 life every single day. And that's how you start waking up realizing, oh wait, I don't want a podcast anymore. I think I'm gonna go develop a Netflix series. Or hey, I'm gonna go do my third podcast. You know, and it should be, it'll come naturally to you with, you know, but yeah. yeah. So who has been some of your like favorite people that you had on the show? Oh, Angela Johnson was fun. I, I started hosting a show called The Routine Project okay. and a company that some friends and I uh, had for a while was called The House of Routine and the podcast was still owned by the business and we named it The Routine Project. And I was like, this is great. But that changed my life because we did like a season one run, right? Mm -hmm. And Ryan Serhan was on there. He was great. But Angela Johnson on that specific season, I guess, uh, she's fun and she's, and she's honest. But I remember talking to her about her long walks and her trips to the grocery store. And I'll never forget her saying that she goes to the grocery store, puts her headphones in and stays as long as she feels like it. And I think similar with her walks, but she's so funny. All She's the long now, short now, the comedian. And... I was like, wait, I can't believe she said yes to doing this and talking about routines, but she adored talking about what her life looked like as a routine, right? What are her habits? What are her systems that she has in place that keep her pretty settled where she can launch a book and do this and go on tour and come back and you know live her life and renovate her home? She was one of my favorites. Uh, and there's so many, I don't know. I, I guess like the top couple is like Angela Johnson. Um, I really liked Teddy Swims. He's now a good friend. Uh, he's an artist. I've just watched him evolve and evolve and blow up in his craft. Like mm -hmm. everybody follows him now. It's it's really cool. And then a big one was I loved Tom Bilyeu. Yeah, he was great. I looked up to him Impact Theory for a long time. So when he came on the show, obviously it was done via Zoom, but he complimented me one time and he was like, "Hey, like you're you're legit. You, you had to run a show. You're prepared. Like and that little little." Things like that would happen throughout the seasons of the show, of the podcast. And I go, all right, I feel like I'm really meant to do this. I feel like I give people a space and a platform to like talk about mm -hmm. themselves and, and reignite maybe some, some, some love and good feelings in their body. And yeah, 
So those are a couple. Yeah, that sounds really good. So what would you say, like the 21-year-old version of you, if you're ah! listening right now? <laughs> oh, man. I was here in LA at 21, I think. It was the summer of 16 or 17, I can't remember. And I was so trying to just be in LA. Yeah. And that was you grew up in New York? Ago. No, so my dad's uh, my dad was in the You're Air from Force. Japan, right? Uh-huh. My, my mom's Japanese. And my whole life till I was like what, 16 or so was back and forth. You just spend two years here, and then you move back to the US, and you go back to Japan for a couple of years. And it was all this like military life. And so when I got into civilian life, as they call it, uh, mom and I moved to Tennessee with my dad and my brother, and everything just kind of started happening. And then when I signed up for university at Tennessee, you know, I, I thought about it and I was like, got it, I wanna be like Ryan Seacrest, but I look like Matt Lauer and Ann Curry's kids. So like, what is this gonna become for my career? But I would tell my 21 year old self that you deserve everything that you sign up for. And I would have not known the level of awareness. And like, for example, like I do this, I'm so personally aware, I think, of like my brain, how I function, how I feel and move throughout the world on a daily basis. I, but that's all come from like this many years, right? But at 21, I think I was doing the imposter syndrome route. I was trying hard. I really wanted to be an interviewer. And and then I remember something clicked in, in, in New York and it was like, just connect, just connect with people. So I would tell my 21 year old self to, to remain as authentic as possible connect with folks on as many levels as possible with them and it all works out anyway some of the stuff i still think about i'm like i crook i like i used to have like an anxious crutch and it would just always be around finances as a young adult or what my career was going to look like did i make people feel good or bad like it was just all this anxiety and lately i have not i don't I don't have it as much, you know, because it comes from that level of comfort where over a long period of time, you start becoming who you're supposed to become, you know? So Justin, if you had all the time in the world and money was not an issue and there was no challenges, what would you do with your life? I believe I would still be doing this, which is insane. Maybe on a different level. But if, if time was never a thing, if I didn't age, and if money was never an issue, I would still be having as many conversations as this, like this as possible every single day. And I almost wonder, so my mom, as a stay-at-home mom, right? That's how she lived her life. That's how she lives her life. And when I was watching her growing up, I go, you know everyone, everyone knows you. You are, you are the community of everywhere we used to live growing up. And that was her job. Of course, a mom first, but in Japanese culture, they don't work. She didn't have a job. And so I was like, but she made it her job, right? Because money wasn't a thing. In a military life, she didn't have to make money in our scenario. Mm -hmm. And I loved watching her because when I saw her, you know, go to the gym and make friends with everyone, take her time at the gym and, you know, then she would go to the library and volunteer and make all these friends at the library. And then she would go and, you know, socialize with her friends or come to all my brother and I's games and recitals or whatever we were doing back then and still make friends with everyone. I wanted, I, if I didn't have to like work and make money, I want to be everyone's friend. Like your neighborhood, Justin, you trust me, you'll call me if something happens. You know that I know people that you can connect to and feel like you can pursue your life with. 
That's what I would do. And I feel like I'm doing it, but to your point, like, listen, time and money is a big thing so that I'm not able to do it as much. Mm -hmm. But that's where this podcasting thing became a dream because it's connecting and I want to be your friend and I want to give someone the, the opportunity to speak out or to get vulnerable, to share good news, to feel good about themselves. So I would do that. I would spend like, what, 18 hours a day doing that? Go to sleep, get up and do it again. That's awesome. Well, Justin, thank you so much, man, for coming on the show. Thank you guys for watching. And I would really recommend you check out this other interview. I think you're going to like it. And as always, if you like this episode, send it to a friend and we'll see you on the next one.